Shalom. As we continue our shiurim on Shemitah's inner message, we return to the point where we left off. We saw that in Parshat Mishpatim, there are two important elements of Shemitah that are both discussed in Shemitah's first expression in the Torah. The Torah says, in the context of Parshat Mishpatim, which we define the Parshat Mishpatim as the Parsha of primarily certain mitzvot bein Adam l'chaviru, Certain mitzvot about God's system of justice, mishpatim, which play an extremely important role in the Torah as a whole, appear in between the description, the beginning and the end of the description of what Matan Torah, the giving of the Aserda Dibrot, the giving of the two tablets was all about. We're told about the Aserda Dibrot, and then afterwards we go into a long discussion of Parshat Mishpatim, the various interpersonal laws that appear in Parshat Mishpatim, which are followed and concluded by the conclusion of what exactly happened at Matan Torah, when the Jewish people said, we will do and we will listen, where they expressed their complete and total commitment to God's, God's will and living a godly life. It's within this context, in Shemot, Perek Chav Gimel, that we are introduced to the entire concept of Shemitah. For six years, you plant your land, and you gather your grain. But in the seventh year, these two verbs, which we said, the simple understanding, you release, you release to a certain degree your hold on the land, and you abandon your hold on the fruits that grow in your own land. For what purpose? And the poor of your own nation will be able to eat, and not only your own nation, and not only your own poor, but even the animals, not even your own personal animals, but the beasts of the field, the ones who have no one looking after them. And not only should this be done on your grain fields, but this should also be done in your vineyards and in your olive groves. Immediately after, there's a pasuk speaking about Shabbat, Shabbat of the week. For six days you do your work. Very similar parallel. Six days, earlier it was six years. Beforehand, here, on the seventh day, you must rest. But here the reason is given for the rest of Shabbat. In order that your donkey and your ox be able to rest, physical rest, and there be a resting of the soul for the humans, ben for even the weaker humans of society, the ones who often do, are not given the breaks. This is the description of Shemitah alongside Shabbat in the first time it appears in the Torah. We, in previous lessons, have spoken about two of these concepts. But today, as we culminate this first parsha of Shemitah, we will try to bring those two ideas together. We spoke initially about vina fesh. What is this meaning of vina fash, where soul is used not only as a description, as a noun, but soul is used as a verb, an action, to be sold. What does it mean to be sold, S-O-U-L-E-D, in the context? And we spoke about the fact that on Shabbat, the Gemara tells us, regarding the other time, that this verb of vina fash appears in the Torah, Shabbat vina fash, v'sham shabbat when we're defined about safeguarding the Shabbat, in order to create Shabbat, despite the fact that Shabbat happens on its own, there's a creative energy 
for a person who wants to experience Shabbat in the way it's supposed to be experienced. And there we discuss and mention the fact that Shabbat is an OT, OT Leolam. It's a sign between Hashem and the Jewish people. And what is the sign? Shabbat Vayinafash. On the seventh day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu rested, V'yinafash, and he was sold. What is this soul? And we spoke about the Gemara in Beit Zadav which tells us that this is a reference to the fact that on every Shabbat, a person receives a Neshama Yitera. They receive an added, expanded soul. And it's the soul which carries them through the entire Shabbat until the end of Shabbat, Shabbat Vayinafash, Vay of the nafesh, <coughs> a person loses a part of this soul. And we discussed the various shitot of whether this soul is primarily um, something which contributes to physical indulgement, indulgence or whether it is an added capacity for spirituality. And we offered, based upon an understanding of the different aspects of the soul, the nefesh, the ruach, and the neshama, we spoke about the fact that in essence Shabbat accomplishes all of these Shabbat allows a person to have a greater appreciation of the physical purpose of the world, a greater emotional connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and empowers man to gain a greater understanding and intellectual relationship to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. These are the elements of the soul which all of them combine into the religious nature of the Jewish experience of Shabbat. This idea, the Al-Sheikh and these Psilkim, as well as the Sfat Emet, as we'll see very soon, discuss is not only apparent during Shemitah, during Shabbat, but is apparent during Shemitah, Shabbat Ha'aretz as well. And it's this Neshama Yitera, which transforms a person on the outset of the Shemitah year, which has to be understood. And it's not hard to understand, as we'll see in a moment, why this specific mention of the Inafash in the context of Shabbat next to Shemitah is mentioned the first time Shemitah appears in Torah in Parshat Mishpatim. As we discussed in last lesson, Parshat Mishpatim focuses on the primary aspects of Shemitah that are related to society as a whole. Related both into man himself. How does man recognize the fact that he is giving up a part of his property during Shemitah? Who is the real owner of his property? To a certain degree, man gives up the recognition that everything he created in his field is his. He has to release his hold on the land. And simultaneously, he also has to abandon his fruit. He has to leave his fruit open to the public, to the poor of society, people who, he could say, in normal, under normal circumstances, I have the rights to my own property. As the previous pasuk says, for six years, you plant your land. It is your land. You have the right to plant it and you have the right to eat its produce. But in the seventh year, to a certain degree, it's not fully your land. And a person comes with the approach and the outlook of a recognition of who the real owner of everything is and who calls the shots and who really is the one who provides for the poor. Is it really the rich man who allows others to eat from his field or is it really HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who ensures that the rich man himself have food as well as the poor and even the animals of the field. And besides the approach of man to himself and his outlook on his own ownership of his land, Shemitah also serves an extremely powerful social, social ideal of being able to provide for those who are weak in society. 
Those who are weak in society, we show very clearly how much we care about them. We don't only allow them to have enough food to eat by going to the food bank or the soup kitchen and being able to eat, but they eat from the fields of others as if they are the owners. These are some of the aspects of other mitzvot ba'aretz. A certain level of chesed that we only find in Eretz Yisrael, but in Shemitah is completely pronounced. Nobody owns any more fruit than anybody else. This tremendous ideal <coughs> is something which begs our understanding. What exactly is the connection between this societal ideal presented in the outlook of Shemitah and Parshat Mishpatim, where, where the owner of the field is Tishmeten Tashta, he gives up at least a modicum of his ownership, and at the same time, the weaker elements of society are able to eat from the food as if they are the owners themselves. How does that relate to this concept of Nishama Yitera and the spiritual slash physical experiential moments of Shabbat and Shabbat Ha'aretz? In order to understand, we're going to quote two more Mefarshim who refer to these Psukim and then gain a greater understanding. The Chizkuni. Chizkuni begins his comments on these <coughs> psukim and parsha mishpatim by defining why it is that the Shemitah legislation is mentioned here. And he points out that the Shemitah legislation is repeated here because the Torah allocates the produce of the seventh year to the poor and underprivileged. There's an understanding. Parshat mishpatim is the perfect place for the mention of Shemitah. To understand that there is a year one out of every seven years, where the underprivileged are given a certain level of ownership and a certain level of care and a certain level of one might call even justice that they don't receive at other times. That is the first element of Shemitah and that's why it appears in Parsha Mishpatim. But now the Chizkuni deals with the question, well, whose produce is it? Is it really the produce of the owner of the field, he just has the mitzvah incumbent upon him in order to provide that fruit for the poor? Or do the poor eat it as if they really own it? If we'd rephrase the question, the question could be posed as follows. Is there any level of ownership that the owner of the field retains within these fields themselves or not? The Chizkuni quotes a mechilta. And the mechilta seems to say something startling based upon the simple understanding of the Pasuk. The Mechilta says as follows, From this Pasuk, it would seem to indicate that the produce belongs equally to the poor as much as it belongs to the owner of the field. Yet, when Shemitah is presented in Parshat Bahar, it's presented differently. If you look at Shemitah, the way it's presented in Parshat Bahar, it seems different. Shemitah over there would seem to indicate that there is an ownership of the field, which is the person himself. It would seem to indicate that the owner of the field has precedence. Lecha, it's for you. La'avdecha, and then you give it to your servant. Ulamatecha, and your maidservant. This is the contradiction that the Mechilta deals with. How can we make sense of these two contradictory verses? In Parsha Mishpatim, it seems, that it is not owned by the owner at all, as opposed to Parshat Bahar, where it seems that the owner at least has preference. 
explains the Mechilta, Kishaperot Mirubin HaKoluchin. When there is a lot of fruits around, and a lot of fruits abound, so then everybody eats. There is no precedence to the owner. The poor have equal, an equal state. However, Kishaperot Muatin, when there aren't enough fruits, then it's Lecha Ulaavdecha Ulamatecha. Right? Then it belongs to everyone. When there's abundance of produce, everyone is entitled to eat from it. When there's a scarce amount, only you and your household. From this Mechilta, quoted by the Chizkuni, it would seem to indicate that in all truth, even the, the owner always retains a certain level of ownership of his produce. It is only when there's a tremendous amount of produce and therefore, there's no reason to give any precedence to the owner that it belongs to everyone equally. However, if you read the Mechilta a little bit carefully, it might be indicating something else as well. And that is as follows. Shmita in Parashat Mishpatim presents as if the owner of the property has absolutely nothing. No specific ownership of the property. It belongs equally to everyone. You're right. Shmita in Parashat Bahar will create will present another outlook. It will present another aspect of Shemitah, one which is very true and one which is applicable to those situations where there is room to give precedence to the owner. However, Shemitah in Parshat Mishpatim does not present that aspect at all. Shemitah in Parshat Mishpatim restricts itself to situations where there's enough fruit in order to introduce the concept of Shemitah in the Torah as if the owner has absolutely no precedence. Why would that be? In order to understand this, we'll see a comment from Rabbeinu Machai, which actually would seem to be even quite the opposite. Rabbeinu Machai points out something very interesting. And that is as follows. Shemitah, the way it's presented in the Torah, is presented very differently than Yovel. Yovel, the Jubilee, every 50 years after seven Shemitah cycles, is a time where a person not only has a year of Shemitah, where they cannot plant and must give their produce to everyone else, it's equal taking for everyone else, but during the Jubilee year, there's a return of fields to their previous owners. The owner of a Nachala, the owner of a possession in Eretz Yisrael, which was given this land at the time that the land was divided as a family heritage, the land returns back to those individuals in the Yovel year. Someone who was obligated to sell due to financial difficulties sold their land, they received their land back in return after the Yovel year. And Rabbeinu Bechai points out that even though Shemitah and Yovel have some very similar halachot, the language that the Torah uses to describe both mitzvot is very different. And he begins by asking, why in this parsha, in parsha Mishpatim, does it say, Sheishanim tizra et artzecha? For six years you shall plant your land. It should have said, Sheishanim tizra et ha'aretz. For six years you should plant the land. And then, in the next pasuk, where it says, V'chein ta'asela not only your fields, but also your vineyards and your olive groves. The Torah should have said, K'in ta'asela kramim ulezeitim. Why does it describe in second person, Artsecha, Karmecha Zeitecha. So asked Rabbi Nebuchai. And his reason for asking is very simple. Because when speaking about Yovel, the Torah does not refer to Sadcha or Karmecha. But the Torah speaks 
of the Sadeh and the Karen. And it speaks in third person, not in second. This is the question that Rabbeinu B'chai asks. And Rabbeinu B'chai says as follows, that this does not only happen by Shemitah, by Shabbat Haaretz, this happens as well by Shabbat. In the description of Shabbat, we are told there is Amatecha, Gercha Asher B'Sharecha, as opposed to Yovel, where it's don't plant and don't harvest the Sfichim, that which grows on its own, of the land. It's not your Sfichim, but the land Sfichim. Explains Rabbeinu B'chai as follows. I'll tell you the reason for this. Shabbat and Shemitah happen for a year and a day. Shabbat is one day of the week, and Shemitah is one year out of a seven-year cycle. And after those years where that day ends, we return to what was beforehand. We return to a situation where the land is your land. We, refer, we return to a situation where that which you have is actually yours again. However, by Yovel, that's not true. By Yovel, the field does not return to the initial owner. The field is given back to the initial owner who owned it 50 years ago. The wealthy man who, acqu- who acquired numerous fields during this 49-year stint is obligated to return the land to those previously. And therefore, in Yovel, a person recognizes without a shadow of a doubt that the land is in fact not his because he loses his hold on the land. In Shemitah, however, a person is liable to think as well as in Shabbat, that that which they don't work, the field, during Shemitah or Shabbat, it's actually their field. Ke'en shelcha. And therefore, the Torah wants us to recognize that even if we feel our field is ours, anu chayavim lahashmita, aval enu nishmetet mimenu. We have to be mashmita land at the same time that we recognize that there's an element of the land which is ours. One might view this as a complete contradiction to what we saw beforehand regarding the Mechilta quoted in the Chizkuni. The Mechilta, after all, points out that in Parsha Mishpatim, the Torah makes it very clear that the land is, that the fruit belongs equally to the poor as well as to the rich, as well as to the owners of the field. And here Rabbeinu Bechai points out that no, the Torah goes out of its way to tell you as opposed to Yovel, that during Shemitah and Shabbos, the field is yours. You're just not working it. But I think the two ideas actually come together. And I think the message is as follows. Number one, there's a difference, a distinction between the field itself, which a person doesn't work in the fruits. But even besides that, which is something we'll see in later lessons, <clears throat> even besides that truth, when a person allows his field to rest during Shemitah and Shabbat, he does so with the recognition that the field is actually mine. There is the concept, I do own it. And that makes it all the more difficult. The field that I own and the field that will belong to me next year, for a year I am restricted. For a year I can't work my own field. For a year I have to live with this dual reality of a field which is mine, but I can't use it in the way I would physically like to do so. And at the same time, I have no precedence in this field. The poor eat as if it's theirs as if it's not even mine. 
This is a tremendous educational goal, a tremendous educational lesson of the Shemitah. And this brings us to one of the most fundamental questions, and that is as follows. We are often familiar with the concept of two different types of mitzvot in the Torah. There are, after all, interpersonal mitzvot, mitzvot ben adam l'chaviro, mitzvot which require us to act with others in a proper way, and there are mitzvot ben adam l'makom, ritual mitzvot, mitzvot which obligations, which don't affect other people in society, but are required because of our relationship to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and our desire to fulfill His will. These are two elements of mitzvot. But is there any difference between them? Are mitzvot ben Adam identical to mitzvot ben Adam makom, with the only difference of who is the one we're performing the mitzvah to? Are we performing the mitzvah to our fellow man, or are we performing the mitzvah to God? Or is there a bigger difference between them? We'd like to set out the idea that there's a major difference between the two mitzvot. Mitzvot ben Adam makom, when a person is developing a relation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the role of kavana, the role of intent, is of tremendous importance. There's even an opinion in the Gemara that mitzvot tzvichot kavana. A person does not accomplish a mitzvah unless he's performing it with the intent, purpose of performing the will of God. Those are mitzvot bein adam l'makom. That's what the Gemara says, rachmana libaboy. HaKadosh Baruch Hu requires the heart. He's after a person's heart, not after a person's mechanical actions. However, when it comes to mitzvot bein adam l'chaviro, there's good reason to believe, and so explains the Atvan Doraisa, as well as seemingly <coughs> the Kobet Shiurim, that there is a very big difference. When it comes to mitzvot ben Adam l'chaveiro, the essence of the mitzvah is actually the result which is accomplished. This idea is seen in a midrash which speaks about the mitzvah of Shichacha. Shichacha means that when a person who is working his field in Eretz Yisrael and he forgets a bundle, he forgets a bundle of grain, Instead of going back to go and take that grain after he already leaves the field, he leaves that grain for a poor person. And the Medrash goes so far as to say that even in a situation where the person forgot the grain and a poor person picked up the grain, before the individual himself realized that he lost the grain, realized that he left it in the field. Nevertheless, the individual is Mekayim mitzvah. The fact that a poor person picked up his sheaf that he forgot in the field, that is sufficient to make him have a mitzvah. In fact, Chazal even tells us that if a person drops a coin and that coin happens to be picked up by a poor individual, then they have fulfilled a mitzvah. What mitzvah have they fulfilled? The mitzvah of tzedakah, despite the fact that they had no intent. Now true, the Midrash continues that if a person would do the mitzvah of shichach or the mitzvah of tzedakah with intent, alachat kama v'kama, how much more so would that mitzvah be so great? Because obviously a person who wants to help and wants to provide for the poor is much greater than one who does it without even realizing. But nevertheless, unlike mitzvot ben adam makom, unlike ritual mitzvot, which require certainly a level of kavana, mitzvot ben adam l'chaveiro, the main aspect of the mitzvah is the result. The fact that when all is said and done, I provided for another individual. These are mitzvot ben adam chaviro, mitzvot ben adam makom. But in fact, there is a third element to mitzvot. This third element is pointed out in a number of different contexts by a number of different mefarshim. The, the Gemara says, where the Mishnah will start, in Pirkei Avot, the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avot, 
that Ashloshad Varim Haolamo made Al Hadin Al Haemet Ba'al Shalom. Three, the number three appears. That same number three appears in other contexts as well. It appears in the Gemara in Mako, Dafchaf Dalit. The Gemara over there points out that there were certain Nevi'im who spoke about certain fundamental elements of the Torah, certain more primary elements that people should understand what's most important. And it describes there the Pasuk where Micha lists three elements of what is essential for keeping mitzvot. Micha says, Hagid lecha adam matov, uma Hashem doresh mimcha kim asot mishpat, number one. God requires of you, God demands of you. Doing justice, va'avat chesed, and loving kindness, va'atznei lechadim Hashem lokecha. And walking humbly with Hashem. Why does this number three appear again? And additionally, the Gemara in Mako tells us, sorry, the Gemara in Baba Kama tells us that if a person wants to become a chasid, he wants to become someone who has a special relationship. Chasid means one who goes above and beyond the call of duty. So he should do one of three things. Either he should do that which is in Mesechet Brachot or he should do that which is in the, uh, the works of Nezikin of preventing damages or he should learn that which is stated in Pirkei Avot. In all three of these contexts, the fact that the Torah speaks about three fundamental levels leads different Mepharshim to recognize that there are essentially three aspects to the Torah, not only two. Bein Adam Lechaveiro, interpersonal mitzvot are of extreme importance. And there the focus, as we mentioned, is to give. That in the end result, the weaker elements of society or my friends should be given the benefits that I want to give them. Number two, Bein Adam Lechavero. Ben Adam Makom means that a person should have intent to fulfill the will of God, to be Makayim, the ritual mitzvah, mitzvah Ben Adam Makom. But there's a third element, and that is Ben Adam Atzmo. Ben Adam Atzmo means within a person's character. Certain mitzvot are there in order to build a certain character within a person. The Aruch Haner points that out in the Gemara in Makod and says these three elements that Micha spoke about are these three things. A person has to build his character alongside the mishpat of the way he treats others. <clears throat> he has to develop a character. The Gra says on the Mishnah in Avot that these three elements are the three elements that are so fundamental because of these three pivots, a person has to be a complete and total Jew. Ben Adam Lechavero, Ben Adam Lakom, and Ben Adam Laatzmo. And that same idea is found on that Gemara and Bavakama of the three things that a person should study in the words of the Maharsha. The Maharsha says, Lekayim Mile Avot is Ben Adam Laatzmo. Besides Mile Dinizikin, which is to prevent damages, and that's the ultimate Ben Adam Lechavero, and besides mili de brachot, making brachot and developing a relationship of recognition of akaratov, of that which Akarish Baruch Hu does, which is ben adam le makom, there's also mili de avot, that which says in Pirkei Avot, the moral and ethical teachings of our fathers, which are the essence of ben adam la'atma. Once we know that there are three elements to the mitzvah of the Torah, we have to refocus and ask ourselves, what is the focus of Shemitah? Is the purpose of Shemitah ben adam la makom? that a person should be able to recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded us to lay our fields fallow, not to plant, and to give our produce to others. 
Is that the mitzvah of Shemitah? Or is the mitzvah of Shemitah v'achlu av yonei amecha? The mitzvah of Shemitah is the ben adam l'chavero element. The fact that the poor should have what to eat. Or is the mitzvah ben adam l'atmo? Is the mitzvah ben adam l'atmo in the way, if it would be ben adam l'atmo, so in essence, Shemitah is not so much for the poor. And it's not so much really to see a man fulfill the will of God despite its difficulty and to act with his field as it's not its own. But Ben Adam Latzmo is to build a person's character with the recognition of being happy to be able to use their field to supply for others and for the weaker elements of society. While at the same time recognizing that despite the fact that the field is mine, it's only mine because of God. And I'd like to say that why do we have to choose? Parshat Mishpatim makes it very clear that all three elements are true. All the three pivotal elements of mitzvot appear in the mitzvot of Shemitah. On the one hand, V'achlu ev amecha. Shemitah has the element, the societal element of Ben Adam l'chavero, where a person recognizes without a shadow of a doubt that that which he has, he is going to provide for others. And there the mitzvah is the result, the fact that the poor should be able to eat. And there is also the Bein Adam Lamakom, where a person has to have a tremendous element of Gvura. As the Torah, as Chazal refer to those who keep Shemitah as Gibore Koach, people with an intense level of submissiveness, to be able to come and look at their fields and to lay them fallow, not only for a Shabbat one day of the week, but for a Shabbat Aaretz for an entire year. But there's also a third element. And that third element is Bein Adam Laatzmo where a person in this process of providing for others, and this is what I think, Rabbeinu Bachai says, it is your field, in the seventh year, you will release your own field, you will abandon your own fruits, yes, you worked hard, and you're going to get back this field in a year, and it's going to be yours, unlike Yovel, it's going to be yours in a year, but now you act as if it's not. The purpose of that is not only to be submissive, and the purpose of that is not only to allow the societal effects of providing for others, but the perfect is bein adam la'atzmo. For a person to recognize in the process and to develop a new level of strength, this is the gift of Shemitah, the ability to be more than just a capitalist, the ability to be more than just someone who wants more and more, who recognizes mine, mine, and mine. Here it's the ability to realize that mine is subjugated to a higher calling. And that which I have has a greater purpose. And at the same time, This is experienced in the most clear way through the Neshama Yitera. Through that part of a person's soul, which is expanded during the year of Shemitah. Where during this year a person is able to attain things and heights that he never otherwise could. That is the gift of Shemitah. That is Shemitah in Parshat Mishpatim. And it's this Nishama Yitera which the Torah focuses on that when a person takes a year away from the ownership and from the moving forward and forward where the focus is on how much I can gain and he takes a year where how much I can give in the same process he gains more because he gains a whole new element not the fruits and not the ability to feel it's mine but the ability to be the ability to be someone completely different the ability to possess a neshama yitera. Next week, as we go on to Parshat Bahar, we'll see how this neshama yitera of Shvi'it is expressed there. And we will see how the Shemitah 
of Shabbat HaAretz is a transformation on all three levels of the fundamental pivots of the Jewish people. Ben Adam Lachavero, the way in which we gain benefit, give benefits to others. Ben Adam Makom, the way in which we develop a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, by fulfilling His will. And at the same time, the Ben Adam Laatzmo, where we develop a completely new attitude and character by performing mitzvot in a way that enables us to be completely different people, more holy than we ever could have dreamed of otherwise. Bye-bye.